0: Hey, PumpCast listeners, it's Frank here. Today is another episode where we spotlight a listener of the PumpCast. As we said in our last listener spotlight episode, we plan to include our listeners more as the podcast progresses, especially when we get our Patreon up and running. It's going to be a while before we do another one of these spotlights, but you'll have your chance to appear on the cast once we finished our Machina and Machina 2 episodes. Just like we did with The Door, we'll have another listener appreciation episode where you can submit a three to seven minute voice memo telling us why you love Machina and or Machina 2. We'll get more details when that gets closer, but get ready for Machina Summer. That's what we're calling it because all this summer we'll be covering the Machina era and we have multiple episodes planned. So get ready for that. Anyway, just for context, we recorded this interview back in March and we had some tech setbacks which delayed its release. So, you'll be hearing us talk about Huron's upcoming album, Cartoon Therapy, but it's actually out now. It's great and we highly recommend that you check it out. And he just announced the very cool vinyl release of it, which will be out on June 17th. We had a really great time talking to Huron. So, without further ado, on with the show! You know, it's like how kids talk about baseball players. That's how we talk about albums. We're just trying to postpone mortality. They need that to fill some kind of void that they have. The search for the Yeti. The (laughs) The duck. (laughs) Well, don't interrupt.
1: Hello, and welcome to the Smashing Pumpcast. I'm Frank Garcia-Hell. I'm Pat O'Brien, and your boys are back with another episode of the cast. Um, We are very excited Today to have a guest to who is a musician and an artist, sort of a multimedia artist in his own right, also a big Pumpkins fan who is a little bit younger than us, if you could believe it, uh, younger than Frank and I. We are joined by Huron John. John, welcome to the show.
2: What's going on, everybody? Happy to be here on this uh, this fine Monday afternoon, coming to you from Nashville.
1: That's right. We got we're we're yeah, we Music City, USA. That's what they call it, right?
2: Yes, sir. I, I guess they do. That's what the it's <laughs> what the books say.
1: That's what the books say. Um well, John, thank you so much for being here. Um as I said, you are How do you how do you self-identify? Is it musician first, right? Or or do you do you kind of just
2: um, you know, I'd I'd say probably probably musician first. You know, because that's kind of it's kind of the bread and butter, right? It's kind of what people come to me for. Mm-hmm. Um, you said in the in earlier, you said multimedia. I definitely like that word. You know, but I think music is definitely kind of uh, the forefront of everything going
1: on for mm-hmm. sure. Um, yeah, and you had well, tell us. We want to talk about. You've got some new music out. You've been putting stuff out pretty consistently for a while now, but. Um, before we get to that and we also you're a big pumpkins fan. Yeah. Um, Huge. We could kind of get into my
2: whole little little pumpkins origin story later or whenever, but yeah, d- definitely the kind of the release that really put me on um was uh Melancholy when I was like 8.
0: Okay. So that's yeah, that's something that we'll talk about too is just the because Pat and I are considered uh old millennials. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> we're on that cusp of you know, millennial and uh, Generation X. Uh, right, right, right. But, uh, you are kind of considered in that Gen Z yeah, area. I guess so. Right. I guess yeah. I guess yeah. Gen so. I, Z. Yeah. Is that what? What? Uh, or what do they call it? Z- Zenial or? I, I think it's just
2: Gen Z. Like, I, I'm honestly not really too informed on yeah. all the different, you know, genera. I I thought for so long that I was a millennial. Oh. But then I was like, no, I'm I'm too I'm definitely too young for that. Just because all of those like just memes of like, oh, fucking millennials, like all, you know, just like all so I thought that maybe that was me but i looked it up
1: and 21 i am a gen z there you go the funny thing is all these terms like get thrown around and i feel like no one who is in the age bracket is is like talking <laughs> that way or talking about it it's all kind of um, oh yeah baby boomers hearing it on the news or something yeah you it's know? all
2: out, outside parties kind of oh the gen z the gen is is there a gen y is that it yep i think right? yeah
1: i thought i was gen y i don't know <laughs> i have no idea yeah. <laughs> i don't know man who
0: knows? Yeah, well, here's the thing, uh, Pat. You, you, you're you not familiar with this, but online there's a war going on between Gen Z and millennials right now over TikTok. Oh, and shit. Oh, is What there? we're going to do today is we're going to bridge that gap. We're going to bring the peace, yeah, if you will. Uh, but we war. will talk about the fact of the generations of the fandom uh, later on. But first, uh, let's get a little history about yourself, John. Yeah.
2: So, um, first of all, happy to be here. Um, my name is John, uh, kind of the, the little musical moniker or what have you. It's, it's here on John. Um, I started releasing stuff under this. I started, um, you know, like we said, we can kind of, kind of get into my relationship with the pumpkins and stuff a little bit later on or whatever, but, uh, yeah, you know, I've always been into music my entire life. I feel like that's kind of a kind of a cliche, honestly, when it comes to you know a lot of different musicians and artists, whatever. Oh, music's always been there, but you know, it really has. Um, I think that when a lot of people say that, you know, they 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 truly mean it. Um, so kind of what what the deal was, I guess, is you know just sort of going through childhood, kind of uh you know mid mid two thousands, kind of you know. I guess I've told this story probably like a thousand times and now I'm, I'm getting good at like, you know, kind of condensing it, but pretty much, pretty much the whole, the whole kind of road was, you know, hopping from, you know, sport to sport, the whole little league baseball thing, you know, the soccer, the basketball, what have you, um, you know, kind of at that really early elementary school age, not really into that type of thing. You know, I grew up in the suburbs of Chicago. Uh, the high school that Billy went to is actually not too far away from, uh, the school that I went to, the elementary school. Nice. Um, But yeah, you know, kind of just trying out all the different sports, not really having a great time. And then I got to age like seven and I pretty much pulled my parents aside and I was like, you know, hey, man, I'm not having a good time here. You know, I'm not having a good time. I'm (laughs) not good at these sports. You know, I'm not good at them. So let's let's find out something else to do here. You know, and my parents, uh, you know, got fucking God bless the both of them. Fantastic, wonderful, beautiful people. They both. Basically said, okay, you know that's fine. You don't have to do the whole sports thing, but you got to do something. You know, you can't just be like that bum kid that just plays PlayStation and that's your whole identity. You know, that we can't be doing that. Um, and I definitely understood. So, kind of at that younger age, you know, I was very into video games. You know, as as a lot of kids my age were, and the uh, kind of the flavor of the day was Guitar Hero. Okay, fucking loved Guitar Hero. It was my it was my shit. I remember i would get up at like you know i my elementary school would start at 9 a.m and i would get up at 7 in the morning to play two hours of guitar hero every day before i'd go to elementary school in kind of that like first grade second grade i ate ate it up i loved it to death and sort of you know i was really attracted to a lot of this you know a lot of this cr- classic rock music it was this the game specifically was guitar hero 3 and actually the Cherub Rock is in that game, and that was how I first heard that track for the mm-hmm. first time. Nice. And I was getting into all these different classic rock bands, like it put me onto like Foghat and like Eric Clapton and Pearl Jam and all all this type of shit. And you know, I was really kind of liking these songs. And you know, my dad saw that I was really getting into this music, and he started to make me little mix CDs that would kind of compile just a lot of these classic rock songs. I got extremely, extremely into Rush. Yeah. It was actually my my, my first concert ever, nice. um, yeah. And uh, so yeah, got got super into music that way. And then sort of you know the whole absence of the sports and stuff. I was like kind of taking a shot in the dark, like, hey, you know, maybe guitar lessons would be cool. The guitar seems pretty pretty badass. It's kind of the whole stereotypes of like, oh, the guitar player is the cool guy. He gets the girl, whatever. Everybody loves the guitar player, right? So my parents put me in guitar lessons, and I really. Um, Really kind of took to it naturally, pretty quickly, um, you know, and just kind of that whole thing stayed in lessons for a couple years there. And then, you know, by by that time I was like eight, and kind of the whole dynamic of my guitar lessons was I would go in, I would go into the lesson place, and I would uh, I would have my teacher, you know, teach me songs. I would bring in a song, and he would teach me how to play it, you know, and just super basic rock songs. It was pretty much only Rush tracks and Led Zeppelin tracks. And we did this for about a year and a half. And then I remember um, I remember this like super vividly. It was just this one day that I came in after maybe a year and a half of lessons. I, you know, like I said, I was about eight. And then my instructor was like, he wasn't trying to be a dick. He was just being, he was being totally genuine and honest, but he was like, is this, is this all that you listen to? And I was like, yeah, I mean, I don't really know anything else, you know, besides a couple of these bands. Um, and I was only kind of listening to the, to the surface level stuff too. I wasn't like digging deep. Um, so we said, you know, Hey, is, is this all you listen to? And I've said, yes. Uh, so then he said, okay, next time that we have, um, a lesson, it was next day. I was taking lessons every day, uh, every weekday. He said that I'm going to bring you in a couple CDs and you can just keep them forever. And I was like, okay. Oh. So then the next day he brought me, uh, in the wake of Poseidon by King Crimson.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And he brought me melancholy and the infinite sadness, like both on CD and then I remember just like after this lesson, I went grocery shopping with my mom to some like Chicago deli that was local and she was going in to just like pick up some meat or whatever the fuck it was. And I was just in the car and I like the artwork on Melancholy was like so intriguing. It looked like something out of, you know, if you're familiar with the children's author, Eric Carl. Mm-hmm. Um, like those uh, like all the, the Hungry Caterpillar and all that stuff it really reminded me of that mm-hmm. and you know all these kind of just old school all the painting stuff everything and I, I, I popped the CD in and I actually I popped in the wrong CD like I didn't go chronologically and <laughs> when and it was uh, when Boys Fear to Tread came on where Boys Fear to Tread came on first and I was like what the fuck is this like this <laughs> is insane oh my god I've never heard anything like this this is Incredible, and I hadn't even made the connection yet that you know the track that I loved so much from Guitar Hero, the the Cherub Rock, I had not made the connection that it was the same band, and I didn't make the connection for a couple more months as I started to dig into their stuff. But um, yeah, that was how I how I initially got exposed to them. But then basically, you know, just kind of a little bit more background about myself, I kind of just went throughout the next couple years um, taking guitar lessons, getting more and more into music picked up the bass, the drums, the keys, all that kind of stuff. And then I was about 13 and, um, you know, just through a, a series of various coincidences and kind of just stuff on the internet, whatever I discovered, uh, the artist, Tyler, the creator. I don't know if you're familiar mm-hmm. with him. Mm-hmm. And that was kind of my first introduction to hip hop. Uh, and then, you know, kind of through that age, I was, I was all, I was just about to turn 13. Um, and, uh, You know, that was really intriguing to me because I heard uh, this album called Wolf that he put out and I was very interested because, you know, it was all this stuff that was produced electronically, you know, just like completely from computers. And my understanding, you know, very naively at the time was that all music was recorded in recording studios with real instruments, right? I had no idea what production was or kind of any of this, any of this sort of thing. My understanding was very, very baseline. So, yeah, I just kind of I went on Google and I was like, hey, you know, uh, this this Tyler the Creator album, how did he you know, make the backing instrumentals or whatever? I didn't even know that it was called beat making at the time. Um, And then, yeah, back in 2013, then I found the uh, the 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 piece of production software that I've been using uh, ever since for almost a decade now. So I've been I've been producing ever since then, um, you know, just kind of picking up a lot of stuff. I've. Gotten really into uh, like hardware synthesizers, you know, audio engineering, everything, um, and I've been making beats since since that age thirteen, and then I started putting out my own stuff in uh, 2018, and I've pretty much been been building the uh, the Huron John Artist Project ever since then. So almost almost about th- three years, you know, and now now
1: here we are. Mm-hmm. Nice. Yeah. So you had yeah. a lot of initiative uh, musically as a. I mean, even just when you said when you were about seven, you took your parents aside. That's kind of like a, you know, it's like, it's like a mature, funny image yeah. to be like, mom, dad, no, we got to yeah. talk. Uh, right. I mean, it's That's like, exactly you know. what
0: I did, but not as um, mature at that. I was just being like, I suck at this. Let me yeah. do something else. Yeah. Like, it sucks, <laughs> right. mom.
1: Come on. Right. Um. Did you, just on the guitar, because so Guitar Hero was kind of like your way into – initially the pumpkins um your initial way into the pumpkins but also just rock music in general did you find and i've you know i've played it before and it is it's diff it's not i was gonna ask like did it obviously it got you into guitar music did it feel did it feel like you had a leg up on playing the real guitar when you started because of that
2: um i I mean, it's honestly very hard to say because, you know, maybe maybe, I think I think definitely what it did do was it gave me a really because I I got really fucking good at the game Mm -hmm. because I was just playing it all the time. And I think definitely maybe I don't know if it like, you know, made me better, like when I picked up the actual guitar for the first time. But I think it definitely what it did do was it gave me definitely a very, uh, a very good sense of rhythm, you know, Mm kind of before I even picked up the instrument. So I think that that probably helped a lot, you know, kind of really being able to hit these notes, you know, within like on, on guitar hero within like the millisecond, you know, Mm -hmm. I think all of that stuff, I I think that that really helped. Cause I, they also had the, um, they made this game called guitar hero world tour where they had like a, they had like the drum set and shit and like Mm -hmm. all that stuff. So like I would, I would play the little, uh a little electronic drum set and whatnot so i think it probably helped me you know get get some uh, get some rhythm right out the gate which is always a good thing
1: right yeah absolutely
0: i like how you said that you took simple stuff into your guitar teacher and you mentioned rush and led zeppelin as opposed to like the ramones or nirvana like something that's a little bit more
2: (laughs) yeah no i was a huge i mean still am I, i i love rush i don't really listen to them much uh much anymore but I, I have an immense huge 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 love for rush all their albums i've seen them i've seen them live a couple times me and my dad would would uh bond bond over that a lot you know rest rest in peace to the great neil pert yeah
0: mm-hmm. that's a, that's one of my biggest regrets is not seeing them live i had a couple oh, yeah. of opportunities and i really wanted to see them that documentary too on the light rush stage. is so good
2: yeah, dude, that's an incredible, an incredible film, incredible band, incredible people. You know, just very, very good, honest, true souls. You know, who just represent, you know, authenticity in music. Um, and just kind of a random side note. I all if like you mentioned that the documentary, uh, uh Beyond the Lighted Stage. Like, are, are you talking about the one where like Billy is in it like a lot? Uh, yeah, that one. I think I always thought that that was so interesting, and like I was thinking about that a little bit recently. how i was like so attracted to rush at a a young age and how i've just loved the pumpkins like basically forever and then i found out kind of after the fact that like billy was a huge you know rush nerd i thought that that was interesting i don't know Mm it's just kind of like i feel like the the emotion and kind of the um I feel like Rush fans and Smashing Pumpkins fans and kind of what attracts them to the bands individually, I think there's a lot in common
1: there. Definitely.
2: It's kind of hard to explain, but I think you guys definitely know what I'm talking
0: about. Yeah, absolutely. We talked about this a little bit of just being like, because the Pumpkins are kind of fearless with their progression. Right, right. You know, the fans are in it for the long haul. They're in it for to go through these progressions. And I think that's the same with rush too the
2: eras, the chapters, you know, all the kind of twists and turns. There's that core group. That's like, Hey man, you, you, you could change up the style drastically. And like, I'm, I'm along for the ride. You know, I think that's a huge commonality.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I feel like, Uh, and I, I have said someday I want to dig into rush. I think like, I really should. I've inched closer to it as, as I just like, you know, get older and branch out my, you know, just like, take it upon myself to learn about stuff that I kind of just was before my time or whatever but um, it feels like there's a, a common um, like sensibility among the fan bases where you're you're like they're two popular bands who certainly have had their own share of like a lot of mainstream, success and awareness right you know, people have awareness of them but then it also feels a little bit like a secret club or something like they're, for like the like both of who, the
2: bands there's they're so respected you know they've achieved so much but they're both still underdogs in a right. sense, right yeah yeah, you know?
1: yeah which is kind of it's um, interesting it is interesting how how bands that could be that huge and you know tour arenas and yeah. stuff like they could they, they still have the vibe of an underdog and i think that that it, right people are drawn to that for sure
2: yeah, it was like the whole thing, you know, with with Rush, they weren't inducted into the uh, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame until a couple years ago, like mm-hmm. less than five years. And of course, you know, take the fucking Rock and Roll Hall of Fame with, with a grain of salt. Sure. Know, I don't really think yeah. many people care about that these days. But that just kind of, you know, that says a lot. You know, it's like Rush was not inducted in there right, know, yeah. until a couple years ago. And it's like, you know, the pumpkins aren't in there. It's, it's kind of like... It's, it, it shows a lot, a, a lot of commonality, man. You know, just in kind of terms of these, these very prolific artists with these dedicated fan bases that are marching to the beat of their own drums, you mm-hmm. know, but it's like still, it, it kind of seems that they're not accepted by like the gatekeepers, like still after all these years. And they probably never will be, but that's kind of what makes them great.
1: Yeah. Speaking of gatekeepers, I just, uh, it, cause you, you are, you know, um, it, D, would you call yourself i mean you do you you do um kind of everything yourself in terms of production in terms yeah, of playing yeah, in yeah. terms of singing and and, and yeah. on the visual side as well yeah um, yeah
2: I, I i kind of uh, all the i make all the cover art yeah um you know kind of all all that stuff uh yeah it's all it's all pretty
1: in-house i i want to talk about the cover art specifically too and your your totally. visual art um Inspiration, but just on the on the issue of gatekeepers, do you feel? Um, do you feel? Do you think about like gatekeepers and the the industry that you're in, or do you even think of it as an industry, or do you feel sort of like? Do you feel like you're in a post gatekeeper? world right now where you kind of like don't because as opposed to you know we're talking about albums that came melancholy which came out you know kind of at the height of it was a huge album that people had to buy in a store had to be Mm -hmm. put out by a record company had to you know had a lot to do with mtv and radio play and stuff and that's just none of that is how the world works anymore do you do you have gatekeepers on your radar or is that not even something you, you have to worry about so it's very
2: interesting. It's super interesting, and I think um, I think definitely a lot of people that will be listening to this. You know, I assume that most of the listeners of this show are are older than me, um, and I think think this this will be kind of interesting to share. I think just on the topic of gatekeepers, man, it's super weird because the landscape that I'm in, you know, kind of this this Gen Z. There's there's tons of Gen Z artists that, like. The floodgates have been blown, blown the fuck open. Anybody can put whatever they want on, on Spotify, whatever Mm -hmm. in, you know, in, in, in 1995, you, you literally today I could make a recording of me playing one note on a kazoo for 20 minutes and I could put it on Spotify and Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? And somebody could go find it. It probably not very many people would find it, but someone could find it. And that just wasn't really the case back then. Um, and of course, there were there were underground music communities, you know, everywhere throughout all of history. But, you know, the 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 advent of everything has has certainly changed, you know, throughout the kind of the the digital landscape, the Internet, what have you. So when it kind of comes to gatekeepers today, you know, a lot of artists in my kind of world, you know, a lot of these artists that were were kind of, you know, from this maybe 19 to like 25 year old range, you know, and we're, 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 we're trying our best. We are, we're, we're making our waves, we're making our impact, we're doing whatever, but it's sort of like t- today it is the easiest to be heard and also the hardest to be heard right. that yeah. it ever, that it ever has been, you know, totally simultaneously. And it's like, just on the topic of gatekeepers, there's absolutely gatekeepers today, hundred mm-hmm. percent. And I think, I think that the gatekeepers, the gatekeepers never really go away. They right. just shift. Sure. You know what I yeah. mean? Like I'm not really sure how much you guys know about like the, uh, about kind of the like the inner workings of like the streaming platforms, well, Spotify you know, like, specifically, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. The, the Spotify's the Apple Music's the the titles or maybe titles, not as much, but whatever. So there's these these you know how there's like the the editorially curated playlists, mm-hmm. yeah. So that those are the gatekeepers, hundred thousand percent. Because today, all the artists in my world, you know, in, in kind of my whole ecosystem. That, that is basically the equivalent of, t- of of today's radio. You know, like right. you, you need to be put on the playlist. That's how you get out there. Right. It's literally the same exact model, just, just transformed from, you know, oh, you know, people are discovering my track in 1997 through, you know, turning on the rock station in their car radio versus today. Oh, you know, people want to discover you know a, a cool new indie pop song they turn on the indie pop playlist on spotify to find something you mm-hmm. know it's 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 the exact same thing but it's just been shifted
1: and you have um, you are uh, represent i was noticing on spotify you are you have been featured on several of those playlists um is yeah. that something that yeah. just was a nice thing that worked out that way or do you actively kind of um push for that in some way
2: no i mean it's it's definitely worked out that way which has been pretty nice um you know, of, of course, I I think the cool thing about it, it's slightly different today because you're actually given the tools to submit your music to Spotify curators. So I guess the, the numbers is that I think they get about 50,000 song submissions a day and yeah, right. It's like, it's, and it's only getting higher, you know, it's only more and more people, you know, just trying to make their own stuff. It's like, think about, you know, the, the internet will only become more present in our lives, you know, unfortunately, uh, you know, as, as the years go on. And it's like, think about these kids just like me, you know, that were 13 years old, 14 years old, 15 years old, they're learning how to produce or whatever. It's like, that's, it, it, it may seem young, you know, to you guys or some of the listeners, you know, maybe starting to produce, you know, at like 13, 14, but it's very common, you know, now yeah. with like people my age. All, all the guys I, I go, my, my college is kind of considered a music school, like kind of informally. And most of my friends, if not all of them got into, you know, making music, kind of doing this creative stuff at kind of that very young, 12 years old, 13 years old, 14 years old age, because all of these tools are so readily, you know, accessible to us. But then it's, it's the trade-off that it's like everybody is given these tools. So everybody is throwing their fucking darts at the board mm-hmm. and only a very small group of people kind of get to have those darts actually stick. And, you know, I'd say 90% of those people whose darts do stick, they're being funded, you know, by sources in the background, by a record label, by a premium distributor and stuff like that. Um, and I've, I've got no label. I've got, I've got none of that. It's been, it's been very, I've been very fortunate, you know, and very blessed just because I, I, I've kind of just, you know, we've built this whole project off the ground, kind of with nothing, um, which has been really cool. But it's like y- there's a lot of these situations where you got to kind of compromise, and it's sort of like, oh, well, maybe I do need to sign to a label. Maybe I do need a premium distributor because it's all these labels that have these very, um, these very, I don't know what the w- just just overly friendly relationships with Spotify curators. Sure. You know what I mean? It's yeah. like you're if you are. A whatever at Interscope, it's like oh, I could just give the I could just give you know the the Spotify guy a call, you know, and get mm-hmm. this artist on there, that and the other. Um, so yeah, it's def- it's a very interesting landscape. Yeah, sure. and it also yes. kind yeah. of
1: serves to benefit the artists, older artists who came up in the old model only are yes. they do fine yes. on Spotify. You know, yes. they're pushed to the yes. top. they they yep. have side deals. They you know like the, or, yeah. or you know special deals. Um, yeah. 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 yeah, I
2: was I was thinking about that even the other day. It's like, um, I don't know. Are, are you guys kind of familiar with maybe like early 2010s, kind of more indie, like like King Cruel? Like oh, maybe that yeah, kind of definitely. Stuff? Yeah. Love like Conan stuff. Moccasin, kind of mm-hmm. Beach House, kind of uh, even oh, yeah. maybe like MGMT. All of those artists, they, they weren't they weren't in, you know, they weren't coming up in this landscape. You know what I mean? It's like even back then it was, you know, kind of that maybe maybe going into the 2010s and kind of early 2010s, even when you talk about most of these hip hop artists that have become so prolific, like these, you know, like the, the Tyler, the creators, the, the Mac Miller's, the Kendrick Lamar's kind of, et cetera, those guys came up, you know, and all the, you know, kind of bands that we just mentioned, those guys came up in this era before me where it was still blog focused, Mm -hmm. yeah. where it's like, okay, you know, you, you, you send your demos out, whatever you, you get, you get, written about on, on Excel, on whatever, on whatever. And now all of a sudden you're, you're super buzzy and now you're getting all these label offers. Right.
1: Mm -hmm.
2: Whereas, you know, nowadays we're, we're even in the post of that era where it's like, if you want to be an artist today, you're literally staring at a, at a blank wall, you know, to begin with, it's like you literally, it starts from nothing. Like my first, you know, I was releasing stuff for, I think, as of right now, I'm, it's, it's, we're at about a little bit over 400,000 listeners a month. But I was at maybe two to three hundred, like two zero zero three or three zero zero for, for over like a year. Mm-hmm. And I would say that the majority of that number, the majority of those couple hundred people, the vast majority were people that I knew in real life.
1: Right. you know yeah <laughs> like
2: friends or family or whatever you know so it's like it's truly a fucking grind dude all these all these young artists you know they they truly kind of really have to
0: force their way in there
2: um mm-hmm. it's, it's truly a strange landscape
0: yeah. yeah because i i mean pat and i were in like brooklyn during that time of the whole 2010s you yeah. know blog you know explosion and right. in, in brooklyn where there's all these bands kind of coming up and yeah you could make a living at that time being a blog band but like now that definitely has changed the landscape of like with spotify well i actually came uh, became familiar with your music through uh one of the youtube channels that oh, i really? subscribe to that you know, normally upload like they're kind of like, I guess you could say like the new tastemaker blog. Yeah, It's
2: just like, just like a curator. They just upload whatever.
0: Yeah, exactly. And it was, I can't even remember if it was David Dean Burkhardt or if it was I'm Cyborg, but that's okay. Um, It was
2: probably David Dean. I know he's uploaded a lot of my stuff. uh, Yeah. Listening, David, God bless you.
0: Yeah, seriously. (laughs) I mean, he used to make some, I mean, he does still occasionally from time to time, but the music videos he would make are really primo um
2: oh i didn't even know that he did videos like that
0: yeah he would take like old footage of like from like vhs or old movies and set it to like you know indie songs and they're perfect they're really cool um but uh yeah i heard i first heard maple syrup tears Like, this is so cool. Like, I just love the samples and the backing vocals. Who's that singing with you? Or is that all sample? That's that's just all all the vocals are me. I, I like to uh,
2: pitch up my my vocals a lot of the time. Um, so kind of if you ever hear in, in my songs, that sort of like sort of higher, like kind of robotic sounding voice, that's still me. There's uh, there's just various, you know, little little programs I like to use to kind of pitch it up like that. Mm-hmm.
1: So, yeah, it sounds great. Um, how would you... And obviously, like you... Your stuff is eclectic. It's, you know, what's cool about it is sort of the, um, you know, you you can't pin it down easily with one, like, genre. I mean, I feel like genre is another thing that's, like, falling away rapidly, you know? It's such a dumb thing. Especially with my age
2: group, yeah. I mean, it's it's not even that it's dumb. It's just that, like, I think genre is definitely useful and helpful and necessary. It's like, there is a lot of music that is very easily classifiable in one in one genre and there's nothing wrong with that jazz classical but, it's like yeah, yeah that's totally, an e- totally. easy
1: filing system
2: right right but then it's like i think it's not that you know people are like rebelling against genre you know kind of the, the as the generations go forward you know like people my age it's not that we're like you know especially a lot of the musicians a lot of these indie indie people that are kind of in my world it's not that they're saying you know, fuck genre, genre stupid, let's rebel against genre. This is useless. It's, it's lame, whatever. But it's, it's really just that with the internet, you know, a lot of these people, my age, we're being exposed to so many different, so many, so many different artists and, and, you know, styles and whatever that it's like, when we go to make our music, we're fusing stuff mm-hmm. that's not really meant to be fused. You know what I mean? So it's like I've been obsessed with hip hop forever, but then it's like in a lot of my guitars and my melodies and stuff, it's total, it's total like you know Pumpkins, My Bloody Valentine type type of thing.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, you
2: know. But then it's like you get into a lot of this electronic stuff, and you know, just like I love Boards of Canada and like a lot of that. So so it's sort of like it's it's not that we don't like genre that we're rebelling against it. It's just it's genuinely getting harder and harder to classify a lot of the music that people are putting out just because. it's like I said the floodgates have been open man it's sort yeah. of like there's not really many rules anymore it's become very fluid
1: Yeah and it's only a good thing I mean obviously oh, yeah. you know Oh yeah totally yeah. It's, it's, it's a great so, thing So the the uh, you know the just in terms of the pumpkins and and what yeah. drew you to them certainly in their time it, they changed and evolved and oftentimes like they would have a big 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 moment big album that sounded Sure you know, I think they all kind of are are um pione- They all have like elements that are pioneering new sounds that sort of are existing right amongst their peers that have something to do with their peers but like they're doing their own thing. So they've always done their own thing. They've always kind totally. of melded different influences definitely. But um right. what's, what is your favorite um or, or I guess what about like what is either your favorite Pumpkins album or what is the what is the Pumpkins album for you that sort of um, was inspiring in terms of kind of mixing sounds or or what would have been thought of as as genres or just just like sonic elements like was there one that that inspired you particularly in that in that way? Well, I.
2: It's it's very tough to say, just because you know, melancholy has always been my favorite, and of course, I know that that's like a little bit of a cliche answer, you know. But I've I've just that's that's been my favorite album, you know, since I first heard it, you know. So it's been my favorite album for over a fucking decade, and I think it always will be.
1: Yeah, same here. Um,
2: and I think you know, my definitely my favorite Pumpkins album. It definitely. It's it's kind of a little three three piece battle between melancholy, adore, and Machina Two. It Mm kind of it kind of you know goes back and forth and back and forth. I've definitely I I feel like as I'm getting older and kind of I'm getting into this era of like you know I'm in my early twenties. I'm kind of starting to come out of about to come out of college. You know whatever, adore is definitely speaking to me much harder for some reason. Mm -hmm. Um, I fucking love Machina. Um, I've, I really I, I love every album, honestly, really, except like I'm not not a huge fan of, of Shiny volume one, um, right. you know, whatever, whatever. But I mean, just in terms of kind of kind of sonics and, and just stuff that attracted me to them and kind of just the styles, the various elements, whatever. I've always been one. I I think something that shows up in my music that is what attracted me to the Pumpkins in the first place and that I try to emulate is is the diversity, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? That's why I got so into Rush. It's like, you know, it's that same type of parallel where it's like, no shade to like an ACDC, but it's like you turn on an ACDC album and then maybe another ACDC album that came out six years later. Right. And a lot of the themes <laughs> are still kind of the same, you know what I mean? Yeah. And it's like, of course, that formula has worked very well for them, clearly, you know, because it's such a well-done formula, but it's sort of like, what was so amazing to me is that when I was, you know, fucking eight, nine years old, I could turn on Melancholy and hear this just, fu- I, I could listen to Tales of a Scorched Earth and then I could listen to Take Me Down. And mm-hmm. it's two different bands, you know, in one album. Right. And that just blew me away. And it's sort of, it's like, I feel like that type of thing is what planted, this, planted those seeds in me of, you know, this whole Generation Z, this, you know, new era of indie artists, you know, whatever of like, we we're blending all these styles together. We want to make it fluid because it's like a band like The Pumpkins. They were fluid mm-hmm. and they were they were like that, and they've been doing that forever. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's like that. Those types of elements really were were huge to me that I could turn on melancholy. You know, there's you got X Y U versus Thirty Three. Mm-hmm. You know, you turn on Siamese Dream. You've got Silverfuck versus Luna. You know, like you yeah. turn on Machina. It's it goes. It's all the way around.
1: It's so um, funny you mentioned because um, we were just talking about th- this this very thing and how like you know melancholy specifically hitting you at a young enough age it's sort of yeah. without without making without even being conscious of it it's training your ear or your taste oh, to, to accept and expect uh, you know a div- musically diverse you know. Uh, Piece of work, but we also brought up AC/DC as the as the opposite of that. Just yeah, yeah. yeah. No shade to AC/DC, of course they do well. But but
0: like they do what they do and they do it well, and they have their fan base. But like yeah, there's not very much variety. But it's kind of like you know you you want a good hamburger, you know whatever you know. (laughs) No right, but then you know, and that's
2: exactly it. Is the whole training your ear thing? It's like. It's it's interesting because it's like I I was I've been listening to all of the Pumpkins albums you know since I was so young. It's like that's why they're such a special band to me is because they've been there forever. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's like ten years old. Like I was bumping you know Machina and Adore and whatever. It's like you know in twenty twenty ten twenty eleven twenty twelve. That you know, all of the Tear Garden stuff was coming out. Like, I would have my dad take me to this one record store in Chicago. It was like the only store in the area that carried the box set EPs. Mm-hmm. Oh man! And I remember I, I I got both of those like the day that they came out. Like, and then Oceania when Oceania came out, that was a huge thing for me. I remember I I went and saw them in Chicago uh, with my dad. I think the day after the album came out, I don't, it may it may have been. I don't really remember, but. You know all of those albums coming out and like it was just it was just so special for me and it was almost like i was witnessing this band put out stuff you know and it was more so more so just billy and i mean you know i'm i'm, I'm witnessing this this artist that i that has such a special place in my heart you know put out this dope music and but they're like so so far past their 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 time and kind of the the pop sphere. Well, mm-hmm. they they were never pop, but like you know what I'm saying, kind sure. of like that yeah. pop rock. MTV, they oddly you know, were like they
1: they weren't in terms of you know what you think of as a sound, but they they yeah. occupied they were a they, they occupied you know, that they space. occupied that space. We were the yeah. biggest
0: band in the world when we were in. Yeah, no, totally.
2: And it's sort of like it was so cool to me because it's like I'm seeing this band that, you know, their quote unquote, you know, heyday, whatever it's, you know, oh, Siamese dreams, it's melancholy, it's whatever. But it's like, it's like Billy's putting out this, this shit in like 2012. And it was so dope to me, you know, yeah. it's like, I'm, I'm turning on Oceania. And I, I remember I, I would go on like bike, I would go on like five mile bike rides, just like listening to Oceania <laughs> in like the middle of the Chicago summer. And I thought it was just like the best pairing ever. Like to me, Oceania is like a perfect, you know, June day with not a cloud in the sky, Mm -hmm. you know, it's like, it's, it's ultimate. Um, but just, yeah, man, they've, they've always been there. Um, it's just, it's all, it's been that diversity. It's, it's been everything, but I think really, you know, that, that's, that, that has been the big thing for me is kind of just that, that palette diversification, that Mm -hmm. ear training, you know, it's like what attracted me to a door so hard when I was way younger, it's like, now I'm seeing, those preferences come back. It's like a lot of those electronic elements in a door. You know, now it's like I'm extremely into electronic music. I you know, IDM and ambient mm-hmm. and all of this yeah. stuff. And it's like a lot, you know, it's like you take a track like like raindrops and sun showers off a door or like Pug. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And it's like that was such a such a unique thing to me when I was, you know, like twelve or thirteen. And now, you know, eight years later, I'm kind of coming back like damn like now i'm, I'm kind of searching for more stuff like that yeah you know? and it's put and it's putting me on to so much more mm-hmm. i can um, hear
1: yeah. Pu- I, I, I was thinking pug specifically your track um trapped in a lava lamp which is a great song Shorty and like pug elements. I just wanted to touch on something though that's like that's interesting because you you were um you're 21 right so you were Correct. born in the year 2000 right not 99 99 October, okay no, yeah October 99 so you were being born right as the sort of um original run of the Pumpkins was ending right they broke up initially Correct. in 2000 yeah. or a year before right. that yeah. so for a lot of the people last Metro Show and everything yeah yeah so like for a lot I feel like for and we're not even among the oldest I feel like Frank and I are like you know because you hear a lot from like people older than us like oh they fell off after Siamese Dream or whatever whatever.
0: Gish some people even say yeah yeah. uh, Gish (laughs) yeah
1: yeah. 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 right like I went backwards towards Gish because I you know that I, I, I wasn't aware of Gish but like a lot of people, and, and even if people love all their stuff there is this weird divi- not dividing line but just it's it like the initial breakup and then the lineup changes that ensued when they did come back are pretty divisive or or like fans of a certain age who who were more experiencing the pumpkins initial 10 years like in real time have very strong feelings about right lineup changes and like Billy sure. coming back with like oh it's not the you know the the yeah. real lineup but th- it sounds like that that wasn't really was that do, do you have any opinions on or did, like did you did that ever matter to you in any way did you even think about that so here's the
2: thing is I think it, it maybe would have mattered to me in the short answer no it doesn't matter to me one bit you know mm-hmm. I, I could give a fuck it's like you know, in terms of musical preference, it's like you know, J- Jimmy's probably my favorite drummer of all time. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's like, of course, I would prefer him. You know, over like you know, or you know, when Billy had like Tommy Lee or Mike <laughs> Byrne or whatever, it's like, of mm-hmm. course, I would always take Jimmy. But at the end of the day, you know, this may be kind of a strange take to you know maybe some older listeners or or, or just whatever. This may be a little bit of a strange take, but. You know, it's like a, I, I assume you guys are familiar with Tame Impala. Mm-hmm. Yeah, how it's how it's just the one guy. Yeah, you know, he's and it's a huge kind of, fan, right? right yeah. Oh, huge pumpkins fan. They did that whole thing in uh, in Billboard where it was Ke- his name's Kevin Parker, and it was him in uh, interviewing Billy, kind of mm-hmm. talking about all the influence and stuff. And to me, that was a huge, crazy crossover because I'm a, I've I've always really had a, a special place in my heart for for Tame, but um. You know yeah with, with tame impala it's this one guy and he's basically just made all the albums you know by himself and then the band is basically just a, the band quote unquote is mm-hmm. basically just the touring band you know and of course i understand that you know every member of the original lineup has had you know a lot of contributions you know it's like some of some of my favorite tracks you know throughout the original lineup records are james tracks mm-hmm.
1: yeah. you know what
2: i mean it's like i understand and even if you look at like like the bells you know when it's it's just James and Darcy and it's amazing or like Farewell and Goodnight is one of my favorite tracks off melancholy mm-hmm. you know or daydream daydream is one of my favorite tracks off Gish it's like I, I understand you know that that every member of the original lineup you know made a lot of contributions but to me've I've always kind of looked at the pumpkins as sort of a tame and type project. Mm-hmm where it's kind of, you know, you look at my bloody valentine and it's like, yes, it's a band. Yes, everybody made their own contributions, but it's kind of the baby of Kevin Shields. Right, right. You know what I mean? And and that's how I kind of always looked at the pumpkins. So it's like, you know, of course, yeah, I'm I don't really I'm not a fan of of monuments or shiny one and I don't I don't really listen to them much. But I've always kind of it's never really been a thing for me. I've never rated the quality of the music based off who's in the lineup because right. i know that it's always kind of it's always kind of been billy at the end of the day and right. that's kind of what i love about it you know what yeah. i mean so that's like you know i fucking love Seer. i think Seer is awesome Agreed. i You're love that shit it. just because i'm i'm a huge you know i love electronic music and i've kind of recently i've found a much more of an appreciation you know for the 80s and for kind of that whole you know that kind of new order kind mm-hmm. of that whole thing and Definitely that the cure and everything, and that definitely shows up a ton in Seer.
1: Yeah.
2: Um, but it's sort of like you know, even with Seer, where it's like, yeah, the original lineup is kind of reforming. Whatever. Is it sort of like to me? I, I still kind of just look at it as sort of you know, it's 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 this guy, man, and it's you know, it's kind of been his ideas for the most part, mm-hmm. you know, from from kind of the early days, and and to me, I think I'm much more attached to the ideas of the one person versus the image of like a rock band
1: sure. you know kind of traveling yeah. around um so yeah that's kind of my take yeah on i think for me that that the moment i kind of um it, it, I, I never got to see the pumpkins uh in their original run i just was like you know yeah. whatever it could didn't happen saw zwan when zwan was around briefly but oh, then cool. first saw and we've talked about this we th- could, we talked about it with. Um, Sierra Swan because she was performing in this show but the sure. the In Plain Song tour was the first time I actually properly saw the Pumpkins and I had this mo- and it happened I didn't even know that Jimmy was back in the band at that point it was like he mm-hmm. hadn't been I, I wasn't it wasn't even on my radar and it happened to be the night that James reunited with them for part of the show yeah Happ- that was a nice bonus but I had this kind of epiphany I had the, the same epiphany of of like because he also played zwan music he played um the whole song malibu which he wrote with courtney love and it was yeah it, it was a moment of like this is great because it, it had also been like a lot of um i feel like the lineup stuff you know and it was all there was so much fighting and like you know yeah. pe- we've talked about before how like you know g- growing up with this band and because they were sort of a diverse band and they didn't look exactly like the other bands and there was you know people it wasn't just all white guys it was mi- you know there was a mix of people the people the characters meant a lot but at this show i was like oh this is great like this billy it this if you accept the fact that billy this is his thing This is, you know, he is the, the, the driving force. Like, it's all good. And it all can be... You don't have to draw lines between, like, original pumpkins and, like, rebooted pumpkins. Like, you can look at it as the sort of bigger tapestry of body of, you know, body of work that it is. And you can have your favorites and you can have stuff you don't like as much. But that, I feel like your experience, your initial experience is kind of... Similar to where a lot of people, like guess, who are a little older, but who are who are still in it for the long haul. We've yeah. like arrived at that place kind of. But yeah, it took totally. it took a minute, you know.
2: Totally. Yeah. You know, and that's and that's exactly what it is, because it's like. I'm, I'm never one to want to like rank, you know, oh, this like like object. Like, of course, everybody has their own favorite ranking of, you know, the albums of an artist or what have you. But I'm I'm never really one to wanna to be like, oh, objectively, you know, this is the best album. This is the mm-hmm. second best album. This is whatever. You know, it's like you can't be I, I don't know what the right way to say it is, but it's like, of course, you know, Oceania or the Tear Garden EPs, it's no melancholy, right? Of obviously. It's like no one's saying that it is.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: But it's sort of like, I think what a lot of the the issue is with you know a lot of these you know older fans where it's like they they equate the quality of the music with kind of the original image of what the band was Mm -hmm. I think that's is that's what prevents a lot of these guys you know from really enjoying the new output you know what I mean it's like Oceania it's basically just Billy it's like yeah there's Jeff Schroeder in there and that's kind of you know it's like you could you could kind of say that he's an original member sort of I guess but I don't really know but you know it's like there's tracks on Oceania that I enjoy just as much as tracks on Melancholy and mm-hmm. Siamese Dream and Adore yeah. and, and what have you. And it's sort of like, I, you know, sometimes when I, when I, if I'm, a, you know, I've once in a blue moon, I'll browse like the, like the subreddit or whatever, and I'll just see people just bitching about, Oh, you know, where's, where's Darcy? Where's whatever. It's like, dude, it, like you're, you're, you're letting like a, like an image on a magazine cover, prevent you from actually hearing, you know, some cool songs, you know, and I think that that's a problem, Mm -hmm. not only with, you know, some pumpkins fans, but with fans of a lot of artists, you know, around, around the whole musical landscape, you know? Mm -hmm.
1: Absolutely.
2: I think
0: also some of it has to do with um, nostalgia. I think a lot of it has to do with when you came to the band and how you came to the band I think, like, when you come to the band in your youth, like, we have similar experiences, even though you came in later. Pat and I came to the band when we were like eight or ten years uh, yeah, old. Yeah, I think, think
1: I was nine years old games, when I started right. when I got into yeah. it. So it's like yeah. it was a different moment in time, but the exact same story.
0: Yeah. yeah. So, and so many people, even like from that, the years of like preteen. To college years are your most kind of like formative when it comes to like right. music and tv and film and i think that there is a ownership for better or for worse that happens with, with nostalgia that that they get concrete some people are just concrete in there yeah. while other people can kind of take their feet out and explore around and they grow with it they they learn they grow yeah while other people just like to be cemented there because that's the best time of their life or they have certain associations so when it's not exactly the thing that they want they dig their heels in deeper and they just keep going down and down and i think that's where a lot of that i think for pumpkins too sometimes i think that's where that comes from
2: yeah totally and and i think just kind of that that whole thing that you're mentioning sort of like the kind of growing with it type of appeal that's something that you know i've always loved forever you know it's just like when I'm listening to melancholy, you know, for the first times, whatever, kind of discovering that album when I'm eight or nine, it's like, it's got this almost fairy, fairy tale, like,
1: Mm -hmm.
2: you know, sort of feel to it. All, all the art, you know, all the, all the art by John Craig and everything, you know, it's all like, it's got this very childlike kind of image to it, you know? And then it's sort of just like when I was in late high school, you know, I experienced uh, a decent amount of, uh, family deaths for the first time ever in my life. You know, when I was like 17, that was the first time that I'd ever experienced a a loss kind of at that very heavy level. And it's like, for the first time ever, like a door was really speaking to me, you Mm -hmm. know, whereas I wasn't into it at all when I was, you know, 13, 14, 15, because I was getting really into hip hop, you know, and then it's just sort of like, 2012 it's like you know i'm i'm entering into my early teenage years i was i got really into bmx biking you know and i was kind of always around at the skate park and it was sort of that that very like wonder-filled era of like oh i'm just kind of starting to get some freedom you know it's like i can i can be out you know not with my parents and i can come home at 10 p.m now you know and kind of go do whatever the fuck i want Mm -hmm. you know it's kind of like oceania was this soundtrack of like kind of summertime like oh, you know, we're just kind of starting to find our own here, you know, whatever. And it's like, that's a lot of that is what I love about Seer, you know, because it's sort of like Seer to me, I I don't think I would have liked Seer at all, you know, f- maybe four or five years ago. But it's like at this age, at this time in my life, I feel like it came at such an interesting time and it really hit hard, mm-hmm, you know, when yeah. it came, you know, and that's what was so in- interesting. It's just sort of like it's, you know, it, it, and that's what I love and respect about you know Billy and just the band, the whole project in general. So much is that it's just like, I don't know, you know, it's like I've 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 definitely put a lot of my friends onto the Pumpkins, a lot of the people that I've met in college, um, and I've definitely created some pretty big Pumpkins fans here, which I'm which I'm proud of. Mm-hmm. But you know, I've I've played I've played Seer, some stuff off Seer for a couple of them, you know, because we're all we're all very very heavy music fans um just in general and uh you know not not all of them love seer um you know but what they all agree on is like hey you've got this guy billy corgan he's 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 an alt rock guy from the 90s he's in his you know what he's in his early 50s right now and he's yeah. choosing to make a synth pop album in 2020 it's, mm-hmm. like, any, you know, kinda, it's like you could take any you know kind of it's like you could take any you know kind of major figure back from that heyday and of course it's no disrespect to any of those major kind of heads of those other acts that were kind of in that whole ecosystem but i don't think any of them would would have the courage to kind of take that left turn you know Mm -hmm. today and it just it speaks to this insane diversity and this total just like just kind of throwing just 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 yeah, you know, opening the floodgates and just kind of being like, hey, you know, I'm, I'm going to do this and you can kind of take it or leave it. And that's what makes the music so special and so interesting to me.
1: You know? Yeah, absolutely. It was, yeah, and having Sear, you know, the, the rollout of Sear was kind of prolonged. They were dropping at these double, these yeah. two singles at a time. And it, it the the rollout of Sear also coincided with, um, we've been doing it for a little while, but the year basically when Frank and I we're doing this podcast and we were sort of looking back you know um, and the whole point of, of doing the podcast was we were sort of like we both knew each other were big fans but we didn't really like talk about it much or, and we had kind of maybe like right. lost touch with the band a little bit and it was sort of like celebrating feeling kind of reinvigorated with the band but then meanwhile when we're looking yeah. back at like when we first got into them and what talking about these very things like what we love about them it was so. Awesome to have this album and these songs roll out that were so. I can't, I hadn't been this sort of like psyched up about new Pumpkins music in a long, long time just because of what you just described. Like it, right? It's it was so, so fresh. Yeah, you know? totally. So new,
2: you know, it was this new feeling.
1: Absolutely, yeah, and it really it it re- and it it like, for me, like it tickled nostalgia in in the best way because it was like, oh, this is making me feel the way. I felt when I first heard the band, not because it sounds like it, but because it doesn't, because it sounds like something new, you know? Right. It's like the feeling of something new, not the feeling of the thing you used to, or you, you loved just happening again. Right.
0: Yeah. And I think to your point too, John, I think that like, you know, you were saying like, oh, if I probably wouldn't have liked it, you know, three or four years ago, I had the same experience with, um, The last year with the uh tear garden stuff, okay, where all of a sudden I'm rediscovering it and I think it had to do with the time and place and like they say, and we brought it up many times on the show, art finds you. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, it does. You know, and it's just so perfect. There's something so kismet about when something that's existed for, you know, a time and all of a sudden it finds you in just the right place and right just the right time that you're just like I, I can't believe this is ne- this hasn't been a part of my life all the time. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, totally. And it's great. I love that feeling.
2: Yeah, I I definitely really hope uh, you know that the Tear Garden gets a proper proper streaming release. Um, I would I would definitely be enjoying that stuff a lot. You know, it's kind of I I really love that stuff a lot, but it's just kind of a kind of a pain in the ass to listen to it. You know, yeah. It's right. like <laughs> the the box sets. All I've got it. It's like comes with the little CDs, and then it comes with the. Uh, I'm a huge like vinyl head but even the first EP it's it's only a little seven inch single that has the Tear Garden theme on it's not even the actual EP on the fucking seven inch yeah right. so it's like you know it's a sort of and then what are you going to do like all like the all the tracks on YouTube are like terrible audio quality they're all like you know it's like 180 you know bit rips like, i know that's all like i've shit. ever listened to
1: is that probably the same youtube uh, yeah. upload that we've yeah, all been same. listened to hopefully I'd,
0: we get that at some point I yeah
1: that'd be great
0: we're on track for it hopefully i don't know uh, that machina thing i know there was a setback with the art but like they're mastering it so i'm so excited i'm gonna buy the shit out of that the oh yeah it comes well, out. <laughs> yeah oh wait wait but today the, the day that we're recording this billy was supposed to announce the archive releases that are going to be coming out the vinyl
1: only oh nice archive
0: releases so i'm excited about that too
1: yeah um well speaking of speaking of vinyl and also albums so you you also do the you you do all your own artwork right your album Correct, covers. yeah yeah. It's really cool stuff. Um, what? Thanks. And obviously, we talk a lot about how the visual um, side of the pumpkins is is so woven Huge. into Huge, you know what yeah. we love about them as fans, both the videos and the album. You know, the booklets, yeah. the album art. What? Um, your stuff is very kind of like collo- like um, uh, collage type of stuff. it what? What yeah. are your? What are your? Um, visual art inspirations that you draw from
2: um you know i think definitely the pumpkins is a huge one you know just like the the art the art from melancholy in particular hit me like a ton of bricks you know the first time that i ever discovered it you know all that john craig stuff Mm -hmm. like those are some those are some of my favorite favorite pieces of all time like you know the the whole the stadium with the babies and the rabbits with the baseball you know and like the, the the whole like the like the opium den with all the little animals and all that shit, dude, like all that stuff blew my, blew my mind open, you know, as soon as I saw it, but just kind of other stuff apart from the pumpkins. I mean, definitely, um, I think also with a lot of, with a lot of artists that are kind of a part of my little ecosystem, kind of, you know, where we, we were kind of, we were growing up in the mid two thousands, you know, kind of coming of age and kind of the early 2010s getting, you know, whatever. I think definitely a lot of the a lot of the influence uh, comes from, you know, various cartoons and video games. Mm A lot of that stuff is huge. You know, it's like we all loved Pokemon and, you know, all this type of stuff. Tons, tons of things of that nature. You know, I think definitely that's that's something I'm very fortunate uh, to have experienced is definitely just a huge, a huge renaissance, you know, in my kind of childhood of Animated films, you know, the rise of Pixar, you know, like we, we grew up, you know, on the, uh, you know, the ups and the wallies and, mm-hmm. and everything, you know, so that was super, all SpongeBob and all that stuff, you know, it's like we, that stuff was a huge part of, you know, shaping us, which I think, which I'm definitely very fortunate, f- fortunate for. So yeah, just a lot of, you know, video games, kind of a a lot of, a lot of nostalgic kind of childhood imagery, Mm -hmm. um, I would definitely have to say, and I would say just a lot of my, a lot of my visual inspiration. I mean, a lot of it comes from other, other artists and other musicians that I really love, um, a lot of kind of underground hip hop stuff. I would say my favorite visual artist of all time. I I'm a huge, huge, huge fan of Andy Warhol. Mm -hmm. Um, love Andy Warhol. Uh, yeah, just k- kind of a lot of stuff of that nature, just a lot of a lot of nostalgic imagery that really kind of captures, um, you know, kind of what I experienced, you know, in, in, in sort of more childhood type years, a lot of sort of things of, of, of that nature. Um, so, yeah, it's 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 a truly a whole amalgamation of mm-hmm. a million and a half different things. Yeah, absolutely.
1: Yeah. Um, and then yeah. just the other thought I had on just talking about gatekeepers and talking about, you know, being a being a vinyl collector. Um, totally. Do you, have you released any of your stuff on vinyl and do you uh, aspire to if you, if you haven't?
2: So yeah, that's actually a very relevant relevant topic to the moment, uh, at the moment. Um, I'm a huge, huge vinyl head. All my friends were very into vinyl. We've all got, you know, pretty like pretty hi-fi systems. We're all into the whole nine yards. Um, and uh, it's, it's really cool because vinyl is having a massive resurgence among people my age. Mm-hmm. Um, tons of people and a lot a lot of people you know I don't even know if everybody's even playing the records a lot of people are some people may think of it as like musical baseball cards sure you know, it's yeah, like it is. that yeah. like that that kind of thing yeah um you know me personally I would say that the majority of music that I listen to I listen to it on on wax mm-hmm. but um yeah with with vinyl actually yeah so I have one album out that I put out last year and it's called Apocalypse Wow and then I, the album that I have coming out um, you know, a little bit later this year is called Cartoon Therapy. So it's, it's two albums, the first one being nine songs, then this one is 10 songs. Um, so I've never released anything on vinyl but for these two albums I kind of consider them sort of brother and sister albums kind of like a sun and moon type deal Mm -hmm. um because there's a little like concept story and it kind of weaves through the two albums and and whatever it's a whole kind of so it's a whole kind of thing for my more like hardcore listeners there's another pumpkin's influence just kind of the whole the whole melancholy concept the whole machina concept kind of everything that stuff's all very influential but I've I've always loved concept albums Mm -hmm. um but yeah with with the vinyl thing so I'm taking the I'm taking these two albums, and I uh, I actually approved the the test pressings pretty recently. I'm pressing them on a. It's gonna be like a double LP, so like the two both albums in one kind of gatefold package. Mm-hmm. Oh, so, Wow. Um, yeah. So I've got that. Uh, I've got that coming. That that'll be coming out. Uh, you know, I think in like the summer time of this year. I'm thinking maybe June or July. I'll be putting that out. So that'll be that'll be the double LP. Um, it's this big. I, I was super like adamant on like designing the whole the whole package and everything. And it's uh, I wanted to make it so that it's this gatefold album, but then the inside is a playable board game.
1: Oh, nice! So oh, you wow.
2: open up like the gatefold and like then you tilt it up vertically, and it's like a giant shoots and ladders board with the whole like track list and everything. Wow! And then every uh, every album is going to ship with two. I don't know if you know the board game Sorry, just like the little sure. board game pawns, yeah. you know. Every every album will, is going to ship with uh, two little board game pawns <laughs> and then a dice. That's so great. I'm excited so you can kind of can you
1: make a... So is it is it like a, Is the idea that you you have the basic elements of a board game and you can kind of make up your own rules, or, or are there actual? No, rules? there's
2: actual like little like I when I design the whole board, so it's basically like the whole thing shows the track list like top to bottom but then there's all these little different spaces and it kind of relates to the whole, like the whole concept of like the storyline of like the two albums or whatever. It's all based around this character named Andy. Mm -hmm. And then it's kind of like, you know, like you, you, you start, you know, you roll the dice, you move forward five spaces and you'll be on like, you know, track. It'll say like, Oh, track one, maple syrup tears, whatever. And then it's like, maybe you'll roll the dice again and you'll land on a space that'll say like, You've entered, entered the, 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 the dark forest, you know, back six spaces or, you know, time time travel machine malfunction, you know, move forward seven spaces or mm-hmm. go back to track three or, you know, roll again or whatever. So there's like, it's not the most sophisticated game in the world. I don't think many people are going to be purchasing this to to play a board game. Um, to play a, a little kind of half-assed board game but I don't know it, it was just kind of a, a fun little
1: thing well that's awesome I mean this is this sounds like a uh, you know this sounds like the work of somebody who was raised on melancholy you know it's dude, like
2: yeah man yeah it's yeah that's that's what happens dude when you're uh, truly like I, yeah totally you want to give that extra extra dimension you know yeah
1: absolutely um, uh, but
2: yeah the vinyl thing is definitely huge um, I'm super super stoked to get that going um, and then I have a bunch of music out that came out before this first album, Apocalypse Wow. With, but they're all kind of little. It's two tiny little four-song EPs, and then a couple standalone singles. So I'm thinking that I'm also going to put out another album, another record, like another another vinyl. Mm-hmm. I'm saying yeah. before the end of uh, the end of the calendar year, that'll just be like a compilation, just kind of everything, everything oh, yeah. you know, everything standalone, just kind of on one disc. So it's then you know, so then I can just move forward kind of feeling relieved like okay you know all my music is on physicals now we can just go forward and press everything as it gets made
1: you know Mm -hmm. yeah well that's great man congrats your stuff is is really cool i'm excited for the um for the vinyls to come out i love the um visual baseball card uh uh reference that's totally that's that's totally accurate i love that's part of the reason i love having vinyl around like just just, you get to look at it it's a big beautiful picture that you know it's like it's it's like artwork it's like paintings you you know you have yeah just sitting around it's great
0: yeah i just bought the um from one of our listeners the siamese singles box set oh you did probably won't play it that often but it's nice to have yeah no and then i just bought a caroline pressing of gish so i'm excited to get that Oh, that's sweet.
2: Yeah. No, it's like, to me, it's really cool because no one will ever take that away from you. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Is it's like, you know, what if for some, of course, this would never happen, but you know, what if tomorrow, you know, the internet just went away? What if Spotify disappeared? What if YouTube disappeared? It's like, I don't want, you know, it's of course like a band like the Pumpkins. There's millions and millions of physicals out there. You know, but it's like all these artists that are kind of in my landscape. That's not the case. Like mm-hmm. we're, we're pretty much purely on digital. And just right now, everyone's starting to get into pressing uh, vinyl. And there's also a huge resurgence of cassettes. Mm-hmm. So um, it's sort of that type of thing. It's like, you know, man, if, if the Internet wasn't around, I don't want I don't want everything I've done to just kind of die out in some digital graveyard. Mm-hmm. Right. You know what I mean? I want it to kind of live on in that in that physical form. And it's sort of the same the same perspective from a listener you know it's like I've got my whole library inside Spotify or my old iTunes hard drive or whatever have you but it's like my collection of LPs you know no one will ever you know it's no matter no matter if the computer breaks or the hard drive gets corrupted or the iCloud shit gets erased or whatever it's like Mm -hmm. this will always be my collection of music and you
1: know I will own this forever you know and and that to me is a really cool thing yeah absolutely Um, well, John, thank you so much, man. It's been a pleasure talking to you. Um, we talked about your yeah, your um, your vinyl that's going to be coming out. Do you have anything? Do you have anything you want to plug? Anything else that's that's on the horizon?
2: Um, yeah. So the uh, the vinyl will be out. Um, I'm thinking like late June, possibly even early July. Um, so I, I kind of got to get an update on the manufacturing here. But yeah, I, I I just dropped a single a couple days ago. Um, I've got one or two more singles coming, and then the, uh, the full album will be will be here in the next couple months. Um, I do like a, I make my own like print magazine. It's like almost like a little book type of thing that comes out with every album. So then like with the uh, with the album dropping, it'll be like in it's I think it's gonna be around seventy or eighty pages, kind of like a sort of like a graphic design book mm-hmm. kind of. Wow. Um, so that sort of thing, we're doing that, uh, you know, just a lot of a lot of music videos, etc. Um, I'm definitely excited to kind of get into some newer musical styles. Um, you know, it's like it's the whole classic notion with any musician. It's like your new album comes out or your, your new singles or whatever it, it may be. And it's sort of like to the listener, that's new. But to me, that's, you know, 10 months old sure. or whatever, you yeah. know. <laughs> so it's like I'm definitely already, already getting stoked to uh, try out some new things and you know, everything. So, yeah. Yeah, man. I, I appreciate you guys having me on. Absolutely. And you,
0: you have a documentary, too, that you're working on?
2: Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm working on a little kind of like a little movie type thing. The whole I don't really know when it'll be finished, but the whole idea behind it is like I kind of really it's I got directly inspired by the whole Machina 2 bootlegging thing how they said, like, how the band said, like, it's the the fans' responsibility to distribute these, you know? Yeah, So I think I'm going to do the same kind of thing. I want to make, you know, I want to make this little movie, this little documentary type thing, and I want to put it on DVD. I want to make maybe a 100 of them or so. Um, And then I want to give them away, probably just give them away for free on my website or something, and then just have the, uh, of course, not many people my age have a fucking DVD player. So, I mean, like, it'll probably have a little private YouTube link and then just the um the people who got the dvd it's like they'll get the link to the you know the private youtube video and then it's kind of their their responsibility to you know circulate the link amongst others i guess that's kind of the idea behind it but you know who, who knows about that whole thing
0: yeah that's awesome yeah cool well thank you for joining us uh, we really appreciate you taking the time and uh where can people find you online
2: yeah yeah totally so um on uh, pretty much the only social media that I use is Instagram that's kind of my main it's kind of my main little place there and uh, on that that platform the username is h u r o n j o h n n y that's kind of my kind of my main social media hub right there and then on YouTube if you just search up here on John it comes up right at the top. Um, and then, yeah, man, Spotify, it's, it's just here on John, Apple music, it's all that good stuff. Uh, yeah. And then my website, it's H U R O N J O H N dot C O. Um, yeah. And that's, that's kind of it. It's kind of where I reside on the internet.
0: Cool. I even noticed the Siamese dream font for your name on the website.
2: Yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> I, I was, I was kind of like, I, I, I put together, uh, all these different fonts from like all these classic uh like i put it was like the siamese dream font the font from loveless the font from a stereo lab record and just kind of all these all these different like classic alt fonts and i was just sort of like dude let's kind (laughs) of let's let's reappropriate Mm -hmm. these a little bit and have some fun
1: hell yeah it's awesome lansbury is that one called lansbury siamese dream Uh, it's either that or melancholy or or no i think is
0: it called Lansbury, just because it was the murder, murder she, she wrote. wrote? Yeah, font. I think so. Yeah. <laughs> yes. and
2: and I discovered that like a like a week ago. like wow. the, like why it was called that. I think that that definitely shows my age a little bit. But yeah, I, <laughs> I saw some sort of video on YouTube that had that clip with the font in it, and I was like, holy fuck, that's the Siamese dream font.
1: <laughs> yeah, there you go. All right, well, we just want to promote murder, she wrote. Check it out. That's Um, right. Uh, Probably on Peacock, maybe. I don't know. One one of those streaming
0: services. You could probably find it on eBay, on DVD. Check it out. Angela Lansbury, really great.
1: Um, Classic. And, uh, yeah, well, that's going to do it for another episode of The Cast. Thank you for joining us. We got a lot more stuff coming up, a lot more uh, cool episodes as we go into... uh, 2021. Mm-hmm. We're already in We're it. What am I talking about? We're tackling Machina era soon. Yeah, that's right. I know.
0: Get ready for that.
1: Yeah, baby. All right. Well, in the, you could check us out on the socials um, on Instagram at Smashing Pumpcast. And uh, you can email us at the Smashing Pumpcast at gmail.com. Cast is spelled K A S T. And on Twitter at Pumpkins Podcast. And I uh, Until next time, we wish you all farewell and And good good. night.